Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Swagger. Swagger. Swaggert. Word of the day is Jack Swigert, the astronaut from Apollo 13. We all saw the movie and Tom Hanks looks right at the camera and says, Houston, we have a problem. Well, I am here today to tell you to start nothing personal. I am giving love to the Kevin Bacon character. I'm giving love to Jack Swigert to say that he's the one in the real world, in the real Apollo 13 mission. He saw a problem with the main B bus vault. There was a bang and a shimmy. And he said, okay, Houston, we've had a problem here. Okay, Houston, comma, we've had a problem here. Then Capcom, played by maybe Ed Harris, says, what? Come again? And then Jim Lovell says, uh, Houston, we've had a problem. So that was condensed in the movie world to Houston, we have a problem. And they gave it all to Tom Hanks. I don't blame him. He was the bigger movie star in Apollo 13, but not giving any love to Kevin Bacon. I mean, six degrees of bacon. You've got to let bacon give the first line and then let Tom Hanks give the second line. And the irony is that when that did not land on the moon, Apollo 13, that was the beginning of Houston's problems. Today we have seen... Houston has real problems. You know, our opinion is, uh, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, We had a good team. Um, We won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. Jim, when talking about the Yankees there, did you say you feel like this didn't impact the game? And what do you mean by that? I, I didn't say it didn't impact the game. You know, our opinion is, uh, you know, that this didn't impact the game. I I didn't say it didn't impact the game. (laughs) Welcome to Nothing Personal. This is episode 75. We have never, not counting any bonus episodes, we've never opened with SOT. I think that's what we call it here in the biz. That's an insider word. It's called sound on tape. That was Jim Crane, the owner of the Houston Astros, and today was a day. Today was like Christmas in February. The Houston Astros held a press conference. We talked about it here on CBS Sports HQ. When you download and listen to Nothing Personal, we talked about exactly what Jim Crane was supposed to do. We talked about the preparation that he should have done, the team meeting that he had last night to get all of their ducks in a row, to prepare exactly what they were going to do. When I did big-time press conferences that were very important, and I've done many, there was preparation, there was rehearsal, and then we would go ahead and do them. So part of preparing a press conference, there's two sides. One, you prepare your opening statement. You also prepare a set of Q&A, questions and answers. When you're preparing your questions and answers, you do an entire list, and you don't do it what you want to answer 
You prepare the questions that you believe the media is going to ask you. Then in your direct statement to open the press conference, instead of taking the microphone and saying, hello, I'm Jim Crane and I'm here to answer your questions. No, you have an opening statement that takes care of as many of the questions as possible. That's how people prepare for a press conference in the world of PR. Jim Crane decided he had a different plan. I have given a lot of heat since this press conference to his PR people, but I know that it's possible he hired an outside crisis PR consultant. I also know it's possible that his outside PR consultant gave him advice and that he chose not to listen to it. I pray that that's the case here. Because if it's possible that Jim Crane is so... Let me, let, me, let me say the right word. Is it possible that Jim Crane is so inexperienced when it comes to addressing the media that he doesn't realize there are certain ways to do it and certain ways not to? Let's talk about decision one. Number one, what do you wear? That's the first question anytime you do a press conference. What am I wearing? Very simply. If you are announcing something that had been planned... So not something, not a crisis as though you're in the office and then something happens and no matter what you're wearing, that's what you have to hurry up and take the stage with. When you have planned a press conference, if it is something with gravitas, something that requires an amount of word management that gets people to understand an action that you've done that is wrong, you dress up, you put a tie on, you put a jacket on. If it's something more casual, more playful, an announcement of something, a promotion you're doing, an announcement of a winner of a contest, some sort of lighthearted press conference, you dress down, collared shirt. Jim Crane wore a collared shirt. Dusty Baker wore some sort of pullover that was given to him by the clubhouse manager when he became the manager of the Astros, reported to spring training, and said, hey, give me all the free stuff with Astros logos that you have. I need it all. So not only was Jim Crane not dressed properly, but in addition, neither was Dusty Baker. Now, why am I mentioning Dusty Baker's name? The second decision that gets made when you have a press conference, who sits at the front table? The Astros decided it was going to be Dusty Baker and Jim Crane, just the two of them. That makes no sense. Dusty Baker was not there when the sign-stealing sign stealing scandal. Say that three times. When the sign-stealing scandal took place, Dusty Baker was not the manager. Is he there to get the ball moving forward? Is he sitting there to re read a prepared statement why he accepted this job and what he's going to do to improve, shall we say, the reputation of the Astros? Is that what he's for? Fine, you hold him off till after the press conference. You can only have one theme per press conference. The theme of this press conference should have been contrition, explanation, action. That's it. You're sorry, you explain why you did what you did and why you're sorry, and then you give the path to move forward. No need for Dusty Baker. Then the question was, which players do we have talk at this press conference? I said to myself, there's only two players who cannot address the media. Only two. Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. Those are the only two. Why? Because those are the two who met the media two weeks ago at the Astros Fan Fest. Those are the two who showed no 
lack of who showed no responsibility toward the actions of the Astros. They showed no apology in their tone or in their behavior. That is why this scandal, among other reasons, has the legs that it has. So, of course, you don't put them in front of the cameras. Wouldn't you know it? The first two people to speak at the Houston Astros press conference were Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. Well, no, that didn't work. Alex Bregman took the stage, took the microphone, and said basically two sentences. I'm sorry, and I shouldn't have done it. We all shouldn't have done it. Can't wait to move forward. I'm really sorry, he said. I want to get it right. I'm really sorry about the choices that were made by my team, by the organization, and by me. I've learned from this, and I hope to regain the trust of baseball fans. Really? You spent two weeks wordsmithing that? Here's a little lesson for you, Alex, and for anyone giving press conferences. When you are intense, right, tension tends to go to hands during a press conference. So they actually teach you what to do with your hands when you're addressing the media. You've seen people hold podiums. You see people hold microphones. You see people clasp their hands, put them at their sides. What Alex did is he cupped his hands. I'm showing, if you're listening to the podcast, he had all 10 fingertips touching each other. When someone is doing that, It's not just a sign that they're not comfortable with what they're saying. It's actually a sign they don't mean what they're saying because what they're doing is they're putting tension at the end of all of their fingers and their focus is way on that. Right now I'm talking to you. I don't even know what I'm saying because I'm so focused on the pain in my fingers. I'm so uncomfortable doing this. Ah, now I'm back. Now my hands are just sort of, they're they're using, they're talking a little bit. They're on the side. Then Altuve comes up. Altuve. I love Altuve. Altuve is one of the best players in baseball. Altuve is a player. There is no reason in the world that he should have done anything other than be straightforward. All of the buzzer talk, he had the immediate statement after he was accused of being a buzzer through his agent, Scott Boris. That's the one thing against Altuve. He chose a bad agent. So Altuve comes up and he was terrible. He was terrible. And this was only like the precursor. This was like the appetizer to the main course of incompetence. Bregman and Altuve started it, and in swoops Jim Crane with a 20-ounce filet of public relations disasters. He takes the microphone, and he starts talking. But in his statement, he doesn't say much, and the questions start coming. The questions start coming, and that's why we opened this show with that audio and video. Because first he was asked the number one question were I to be preparing him. The number one question. What did you know and when did you know it? Number two. Did banging on trash cans, stealing signs, having a center field monitor, did that impact the winning and losing that your team did? Did your involvement in stealing signs help you win the World Series? That's it. If you are preparing for a press conference and you're looking at Q's and A's, that is the number one Q. You address it on direct. Instead, he was asked a question. He said, no, I don't believe. I don't think it should. It impacted the game. And then 20 seconds later, well, it impacted the game. It didn't impact the game. Kept going back and forth. That shows his lack of preparedness. The other thing that Jim Crane did that is inexcusable. It's going to cost him. I'm going to tell you why it's going to cost him. He actually said, the com- he hid behind the commissioner. I respect 
Commissioner Rob Manford, you know I do. I've said it on the show. When he does something wrong, I will say it because I would say it to him. In this case, he does his investigation. He does a report. Of course, he's not going to hold Jim Crane accountable. Of course, he's not going to make Jim Crane sell the team. Not yet. Not yet. But for Jim Crane to hide behind Commissioner Rob Manford, it's inexcusable. He actually said during the press conference, I am not accountable because I read it in the report. I didn't know about this. So if I didn't know about this, how can I be accountable? Let me explain to you, Jim, how it works when you're the owner of a team, how it works when you're the president of a country, how it works when you're the president of a company, how it works when you're an employee who actually manages people. I think you know a little bit about this, Jim. The way it works is you're accountable for everything that everyone does at any level below you, no matter what. Knowledge of everyone's action is imputed upon you. And you then say, I'm scot-free. He washed his hands of this. He said, I fired Jeff Lunau. He threw A.J. Hinch under the bus, the manager and the GM, who were the two smartest people in the room, who gave him the ring on his finger, who he would walk around owners' meetings holier than thou because he had the two smartest people in baseball working for him. He turned his back on them so fast, your head would spin like a dreidel. And then he says, I'm not accountable. You're the only one accountable. And guess what's going to happen to you now, Jim? Do you know that right now, Every member of the media is rushing toward investigating everything you've ever done. They are looking at any possible angle of anything to show that anything you said isn't right. And then what is the commissioner going to do? This would be a time for you to get your hangers in order because they're coming into your closet. And the way you could have dealt with it better would be for you to have gone straight on the way we said on Nothing Personal. Right here on CBS Sports HQ, we said, get every one of your players at that table. You take the lead. You say, this was me. We acknowledge what we've done. Instead, you say players aren't accountable, and then you open the clubhouse. 30 minutes later, players are talking. I've got three pages prepared by our, the producer of this show, Matthew Coca. Three pages of quotes of players. Hold. Can everyone hold, please? Hold. We're not going to break. There are no breaks. It's a pod. Video. Nope, no breaks. Look at this. Bregman. Springer. Correa. Verlander. Guriel. Reddick. I got them all. Wait a minute. There's a common thread. Hold on. Let me just give it to you straight. Common thread. I'm really sorry. There's no excuse for it. We were wrong. I wish I'd said more, but I didn't. No one put a gun to our head. It would be a lie to say that one or two people are responsible. We're sorry. I'm going to focus on Justin Verlander. He's the veteran of the team. I would have had Verlander at that press conference talking. Verlander had a quote that we need to examine very carefully. Once I spent time and understood what was happening, I wish I had said more. I can't go back and reverse my decision. I wish I had said more, and I didn't. The reporter then does a follow-up. What did you say? And Verlander says, that's between myself and my teammates. Okay, here's how a clubhouse works. A lot of stuff goes on that we don't want you to know about. 
a lot of stuff gets discussed. None of it is politically correct. I would say we violate 14 rules, 27 codes of conduct, 84 violations of every human resources rule known to mankind, even 16 levels of decency. And that's all before batting practice. I get it. What happens in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse. I agree. There's a rule. I would, my son would be in the clubhouse when he was a little boy and he would hear all sorts of words in the clubhouse and there was nothing I could do. I didn't do what Vince Vaughn did in old school. I didn't go earmuffs. I simply taught him there are certain things that go on in the clubhouse that are not appropriate for outside the clubhouse. And if you choose to want to say those words and you're outside the clubhouse, you have to go into a bathroom because they are dirty words. So he would go into a bathroom at home and yell and scream these dirty words, but then walk out and be proper. Point being, I'm not talking about family. Point being, this is what happens in a clubhouse. If you're Justin Verlander and you're asked a question about what went on with your teammates about this sign-stealing scandal, you have to answer. You have to have prepared for that. You know the reporters are asking. You can't say that's between me and my teammates. You can't just say, I'm going to leave it at that because we're not leaving it at that. Your fans are not. Nobody is. Just because the commissioner gave players immunity. They gave players immunity, meaning they had an opportunity to say the truth and they were not going to get in trouble. That is how this investigation was able to be completed so quickly. Because players spoke out. But now that it's happened, now that you're not going to be punished, and you're asked by a reporter, please tell me what you and your teammates discussed while this was going on. If you thought it was wrong as a veteran pitcher on this team, why didn't you say? Why didn't you say? Stop. Here's why. They didn't want to stop. Do you know why the Houston Astros stopped doing this? Because they got caught. Do you know why they're saying they're sorry right now? Because they got caught. Do you know why that this press conference was a complete joke and why the players are coming out and all of a sudden showing responsibility today? Because they got caught. Does that make it right? No. But guess what? It doesn't make it wrong either. Do you think that all the players who did steroids wanted to come out and admit they did steroids? They only came out after they got caught. The smart ones apologized. The stupid ones kept denying it. And that's why they're not in the Hall of Fame. Why is it that most people, when do you say you're sorry? After you're caught. After you say something or do something that you shouldn't have said or shouldn't have done. Then you say, I'm sorry. You don't offer it as a direct By the way, I didn't think you were going to mention this, but I should tell you, I'm sorry that we were stealing signs. I also apologize that I may have been wearing a buzzer. Oh, you didn't mention that part. I'm incredibly worked up about this. There's a lot more to come. Trust me on that. You know what's pretty amazing about A.J. Hinch? A.J. Hinch is sitting at home losing his mind right now, and I want to give some props to him. The props I want to give to A.J. Hinch are the following. He has to wear something that's not all his fault. He's the manager of a team. 
Jeff Lunau is a complete, I'm not talking about Jeff Lunau. What he has done while he was president of baseball operations, what he's done since this scandal came out, since he was fired, throwing employees under the bus with reckless indifference, trying to save his skin so much that, frankly, it's past, it's beyond saving. There's nothing Lunau can do. Hinch thought that it would be a good idea to try to rehabilitate his image. Hinch thought, here's what I'm going to do. And he checked with MLB. How do I know that he checked with MLB? This is a little secret that Coke is going to be upset that I say, but I'm going to give you the secret. Do you think it's a coincidence that A.J. Hinch's interview was live and broadcast by MLB Network? I'm just curious out there. Coca, get in my ear. Did you think it was a coincidence that the A.J. Hinch, 60 Minutes, Brian Gumbel interview where he came totally clean, did you think it was a coincidence that it was on MLB? No. Do you know why? Did everyone hear no? When he talks to me, do you all hear that on the, when you're listening in? It's just I, I, I'm the only one who hears it? All right, hold on. I'm going to put the earpiece right down to the microphone. Go ahead. Say it loudly. Was it a coincidence? Okay, I can't even hear him now. I can't believe how unwilling Coke is to play games. I literally took the earpiece out of my ear. I put it on this truly expensive, sensitive microphone, and then Coca went quiet. So AJ Hinch calls up MLB, and he says, listen, I got a situation. I need to try to rehabilitate my image, and I want to give an interview. MLB says, okay, we're going to put you on with Tom Verducci. We're going to put you on MLB Network, and it's going to go viral. You better be ready. You better practice. You better know your answers. Believe me, do you think A.J. Hinch didn't know the questions going into that interview? Do you think for one second there was not an agreement on what the questions were going to be? Therefore, he had to have known what the answers were going to be. Now, you're going to hear people say, Samson's crazy. There's no way that the interview subject got the questions in advance. Well, let me tell you, I was on a show with uh, Brian Gumbel a couple times called Real Sports. And I got absolutely roasted. He came after me. In that case, I did not know the questions in advance, but I certainly had an idea which way he was going. You should go check out the video of some of them. One thing that uh, he does on, on that show, which is so unreal, there's a camera right in your face, and it's up close. Like if you have any sort of blemishes or any sort of freckles or your makeup's on wrong or for whatever reason you didn't get a lot of sleep, you have bags in your eyes, the camera is so close that it can touch you. The other thing that he does is wants it to be really hot in the room where you're being interviewed so you look like you're sweaty and shiny. So I demanded the air conditioning to be on and it was still hotter than I would have liked it. But I knew exactly what direction he was going. But what's funny to me is when I want to give an interview, when I reach out and say, hey, I want to tell my story, I am controlling that narrative. With Brian Gumble, I did not reach out. I promise you that. A.J. Hinch 100% reached out, 100% agreed to this. He must have known it was right there in front of him. He was going to be asked about the buzzer. Everybody wants to know about the buzzer. What am I talking about? For those of you who are not fans of the buzzer, a buzzer is not what you use when you're playing Jeopardy. A buzzer is what potentially Houston Astros players had under their uniforms that would buzz 
like Jason Biggs in Saving Silverman when he would mention the name of his ex-fiancee, there would be a buzzer, 10 of you are laughing, a buzzer that would tell him what pitch was coming. Jose Altuve said no buzzer. The Astros players said no buzzer. Everyone said no buzzer. The commissioner came out and said, we investigated and there was no buzzer. Yet players, including up to today, Taylor Cole of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, says that all players knew there were some devices being used. And I happen to agree. I would assume devices were being used because trash cans are one thing. But sometimes you can't hear them. Sometimes it's too obvious. A natural progression would be some sort of earpiece, some sort of vibration, some sort of some gimmick that would give you an idea of what the pitch was. So A.J. Hinch has asked the question, and he says very clearly, I said the commissioner investigated. I stand by the commissioner's response and results that no buzzers were used. Oi. When I watched it, I just, I knew it. I knew there was a problem. And wouldn't you know it? Five days after the interview airs, he has to release a statement today. After my interview with Tom Verducci last week, he said, there's been a significant reaction to my answer to the quote buzzer question. To be clear, he should have been clear five days ago. That's David talking. To be clear, we're back to AJ. I have never seen any such device used in baseball. I'm not aware of any such device existing or being utilized with the Astros, the players, or any other team. I was first asked about such devices during the investigation by MLB. In my interview with Tom, I acknowledged the commissioner's report as evidence due to the in-depth nature of the investigation, not as an intended non-answer or a way to elude the question. So here's a little hint, AJ. When you give an interview and then five days later you have to make a statement saying that one of my answers was not meant to elude the question, was not meant to be a non-answer, my guess is your original answer could have used a just a smidge, like a smidgen of wordsmithing, like a little tiny, hey, can I run this by you, sweetheart? Hey, commissioner, can I run by an answer that I'm going to give about the buzzer? I really want to get this one right. That's the lesson that for whatever reason we are not seen that by anybody with the Astros. It's not a surprise to me the amount of hubris they all had. Amazing how high they were and how hard the fall is. Now the great equalizer is going to come. And the great equalizer, of course, is the season. The season will be played, and we'll talk about it later. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? 
call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Hawaii, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I've gotten so many So You Want to Talk to Samson's about this. So You Want to Talk to Samson is when you follow me on uh, Twitter at David P. Samson. Thank you. At David P. S-A-M-S-O-N. You go to DMs and you say, hey, talk about this on the show. Hey, so you want to talk to Samson? That's from a movie. I love it. The question was, now that players have admitted their guilt, should they now be suspended? And part de of the question, as in D-E-U-X, not D-U-H. Should the World Series title now be vacated? Let me answer those. It's a great question. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. The way it works, let's pretend that you are asked a question at work and you are told, if you give me information on something, I promise you will never get in trouble. And then you give the information. The information comes out. Everybody gets super upset. And then all of a sudden you get in trouble for the very information that you gave that you weren't supposed to get in trouble for giving. What would be the result if that happened? I'll give you a second. Think about it. If you were told you wouldn't get in trouble, forget immunity and the legal part of immunity. That's legal. When you actually are granted immunity in a court of law, that means by definition, whatever you say cannot be used against you. By definition. It's almost like the Fifth Amendment. Have you ever heard people say, hey, I'm pleading the Fifth. I'm taking the Fifth. I assume everyone knows what that means. That is the right against self-incrimination. I have the right to not say something that will be used against me. You're asking me about sign stealing? You think that I'm going to tell the Department of Investigations of Major League Baseball, yeah, you're damn right I was stealing signs. I was wearing buzzers. I was hitting garbage cans. I was using cameras. Oh, that's against the rules. Darn it. Dosh, dang it. Doggone it, I'm going to get suspended, aren't I? Yeah, that's not exactly how it goes. It goes like this. Players get called into the principal's office, and they get told through the union before they walk into the principal's office. By that, I mean the Department of Investigations of Major League Baseball. The union is told we want answers by MLB. They tell the union we want answers. And the way we're going to get them is we're going right to the players. And the way we're going to handle the players is we're not going to suspend them. It didn't say they won't be held accountable. Let me be very clear. The players are, of course, accountable. There is a big difference between being accountable for your actions and being charged, held responsible, and punished for your actions. Very different. If you're asked to give a comment on something and tell the truth and you're told you will not be punished, you cannot then be punished. Believe it or not, it's even bigger than baseball. This is life. This is the law. This is America. This is democracy. This is the Constitution. This is the Bill of Rights. 
There is zero chance that players will be suspended for their involvement in the sign-stealing scandal. The Houston Astros can stand up one at a time, take the microphone and say, you know what? I did it. I did it all. I did it real good. And I did it often. Every game, every year, never stopped. Loved it. It helped. They could do that. They're not going to, but they could and they won't get in trouble. For all of you people who want the Astros head on a plate, is it head on a plate or head on a stick? Swivel? Head on a, I think I'm mixing metaphors. For all of you people who want the Astros players heads on a stick, I say this. Something my mom taught me when I was young, which has come in handy actually. It's not too smart to ever throw stones when you live in a glass house. Of all the crazy metaphors and life examples that a Jewish mother can use, up to and including, you can't get buried in a Jewish cemetery if you have a tattoo. All of it. One of the great ones is don't throw stones if you live in a glass house. Why is that? Because when they throw them back, all of a sudden, you're going to be open to the elements. So it seems to me that all these players coming out right now, Everybody talking like a Roldis Chapman saying, I'm a little suspicious, he said, about the Altuve home run in 2019. I don't know whether he had a buzzer or not. I've watched the video, but I'm suspicious. Be careful, Aroldis. You think the Yankees weren't doing stuff? Seriously? Really? It's ridiculous. That's number one. Players will never be suspended for this. Two, vacating the World Series. Can we put an end to this right now, this second, please? To all of my loyal listeners and viewers in Los Angeles and in New York and in any one of the other 28, 27 minus Houston, major league cities or around the world, the Astros won the World Series in 2017. Let me say it again. The Houston Astros won the World Series in 2017. The Houston Astros are World Series champions in 2017. Is that hurting your ear? Are you upset? It doesn't matter. It's never going to be vacated. That is a box that even Pandora would not be willing to open. Are you going to tell me for sure, not that the sign-stealing scandal led to an impact of games, but changed the outcome of a series? I'm with Jim Crane in the following way. We started this show by saying, did this impact games? I certainly hope so. That's the answer I wanted him to say, to say and to give. Let me say that again. Did stealing signs have an impact on the games? It better have, or else the people working for me weren't good at their jobs. Follow-up question. Do you think it impacted the outcome of a series? No, I don't. Is it possible for something to impact a game and not a series? Yes, of course it is. So many things have to happen to actually change the result of a game, forget a series. Knowing what's coming from a pitcher and using that, even if it's 100% of the time, that will not guarantee victory for the team. Why wouldn't the Astros have gone 162-0? The World Series is not going to be vacated. I'm sorry. Ever. It's enough. Thanks for asking, though. So you wanted to talk to Samson, and you did.
<sighs> okay. Let's talk about a movie because the world can be coming to an end. The sign-stealing scandal could be the biggest thing or the smallest thing of the day. We could have a meteor coming, and I'm still watching a movie. I don't care, said Pierre. Thank you, Maurice Sendak, who's with me. The Nutshell Library. There once was a boy named Pierre who always would say, I don't care. Anyway, I watched Knives Out. Knives Out was nominated. Screenplay did not win. It was directed by Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson, who directed Star Wars 8, The Last Jedi. It is a movie sort of like a murder mystery. And it's starring Daniel Craig as a very strange sort of detective. And it stars Anna de Armas. It stars Captain America, whose name is Chris Evans. And they end up in like a whodunit. Jamie Curtis is in the movie. It is all sorts of this cast that is uh, Tony Collette. I found it to be quite inviting to watch, but quite disappointing to finish. I was excited to see how they would deal with the mystery. Because Christopher Plummer, that's his job now. He either takes over for Kevin Spacey when Kevin Spacey loses movie roles, or he plays sort of the older patriarch. Picture succession. The father in succession, it's like his father. That's Christopher Plummer. That would have been so much more impactful if at the tip of my tongue I knew the name of the actor who won the Emmy, who played the father, who plays the father in succession, who I loved from all the Bourne movies, and it's right right on the tip of my tongue. Christopher Plummer's one generation above that. He is the rich patriarch of a family who gets murdered. Or did he? Or did he not? This is about drug use. This is about murder. This is about cover-up. This is about family. And this has Jamie Lee Curtis in it as well. Is it worth your time? Brian Cox. How does it take you that long to find out, Coca? In all honesty. When I have something on the tip of my tongue, I'm not even looking at the camera now. I'm looking at you. I'm looking into your producer studio. How does it take so much time? Brian Cox. Emmy award-winning actor. Ugh. <sighs> anyway. Back to Christopher Plummer and Knives Out. Worth it? Movie? Airplane. When I say a movie is an airplane movie, that means you should see it, but see it on an airplane, it'll pass the time. Would I necessarily spend the money to buy it on some sort of provider? Nah, I'd go for it for free. I thought it was fine. Guess what? There's going to be a Knives In. That's sort of the name for the sequel because the Daniel Craig character, Daniel Craig is no longer busy doing James Bond. As you know, he has totally crapped all over the James Bond franchise saying he'll never do that again. He's got a new movie, James Bond, coming out, but he's got to keep paying the bills for him and Rachel. So I think you're going to see a Knives Out too, which may be called Knife In. Knives In. Eh, one of those. Okay. Turn. I can always tell how the show's going. He says, turn. <laughs> okay, MLB rule changes. This is a very MLB-heavy show. How could it not be? There's so much going on. MLB announced a bunch of rules. Yeah, how did that go, right? Uh, there's quite a few things going on. They sent out a release yesterday as though we were going to talk about it today. Except, guess what? Um, oh, yeah, the Astros held their press conference. 
Not perfect timing. A couple rule changes that I just want you to focus on. I want you to sort of think about why they're happening. I'm going to say what they are. I'm going to say what you think is important. And I'm going to say what actually is important to someone inside the game. Number one, there's now a three batter minimum. That means that every pitcher who comes into a game has to pitch to a minimum of three batters. Or, by the way, where is the or? I'm going to read it to you directly. Because why is no one reporting the or? Ready? You must pitch to a minimum of three batters until such batters are put out or reach base or until the offensive team is put out. Okay. You can bring in a pitcher with two outs just to get the third out, face one guy. If the inning ends, that pitcher does not need to then face two more batters. It's not really the three-batter minimum rule, even though we call it that. It's the three-batter minimum within an inning if you can't prove to the umpire that you're hurt rule. The three-batter minimum inside an inning if you can't prove to the umpire that you're hurt rule. That's one. Two, the challenge. This one's going to fascinate you. Everybody sit down. Stop what you're doing. Everybody stop. Managers only have 20 seconds to challenge a play instead of 30. (laughs) Epic. Three, roster limits. They've been changed. Instead of the 25-man roster, which I've been saying for 18 years, it's now the 26-man roster. You may think that's a small deal. To front office executives, that actually is the number one biggest rule change there is. From a financial standpoint, do you know that adding a 26th man, not only do you have another player at the minimum, so that's another half a million right down the crapper, half a million bucks, but you're also giving an extra 180 days of service time to the players. Service time is like their gold. Every player wants service time because the more service time you get, the closer you get to arbitration, the closer you get to free agency, the closer you get to real money. That is a major give by owners to increase the roster size to 26. A major give to the union. No one's talking about it. It is a major financial give. September. I always felt badly in September because our owner and our baseball people would always want to call up all these people. Every time you call up a player in September, if you're a baseball fan, have you noticed that dugouts in September look like dugouts during spring training? There are barely enough seats. There's so many people, barely enough lockers in the clubhouse. Because you can call up anybody who's on your 40-man roster. That used to be the rules. Changed. The maximum number of players who can be called up are now 28. I love this. I want to tell you how great MLB is to have negotiated this. How smart they are. When I told you that it was a huge give to go from 25 to 26 during the regular season. At the same time, it's a huge get that there is a maximum number of players in September of only 28. There were teams who had 35 or 36 players, sometimes up to 40 players. And all those players were getting paid the minimum salary prorated for the month. So let's say the minimum was 600 grand for easy math. September's one month of the year. They're getting a hundred grand per player. You call up 10 players. That's a million dollars you're giving to players. In addition, they're getting those 30 days of service time. However, we're adding one player for five months and then we're adding an additional two players for the last month. 
just quick math, five players for five months, and then three players. Ready? Five for five months, three players for one month. That's a total of eight months. Do you know how many players get called up by teams? How many? Do you think teams are losing money or making money by cutting the number of players called up in September to 28 in return for adding a 26th man? Do the math. For any team who brings up more than eight players, who has more than 34 active players in September, they have won by this trade. For teams like ours, where we would only call up a few players, we lost. This was a win for the big market large revenue teams. This was a loss for the small market low revenue teams. It's math. I love math. There's answers. That's a much bigger deal. Okay. I'm going to a wait to see now. And uh, I want to tell you what a wait to see is and why I'm doing it. A wait to see is when you have uh, something that you say that turns out to be true or false. I'm going to tell you because I'm going to be accountable. And I won one yesterday, and I say win loss because that's what life is. You're competitive. I'm competitive. If you're listening to this show, you're competitive. There's winning and there's losing, period. I said the Red Sox would hire someone internally or someone with Boston roots, and they did. They brought up Ron Renicky, their interim. All right, get ready. I've got a way to see that's going to make people lose their minds. Get ready. On the count of three, count me in. Three, two, one. The Astros will win 100 games and get back to the World Series. All right, marinate on it. Marinate. Shh. The Astros will win 100 games and make it to the World Series. People in New York are losing their minds because they're already getting fitted for rings. The, it's over. The, the Yankees and the Dodgers are in the World Series. Done. Don't even bother playing the season. Wait to see. I know these Astro players. These are good players. Stealing signs did not make them win a World Series. Stealing signs did not get them to a World Series. They are a good team. They will not just make the playoffs. They will get to the World Series. I didn't say win it. I said they're going to get to it. You wait to see. Okay, um, I'm so angry about my pick of the day. Um, the Knicks stink, and I'm sick of it. I'm not picking, I'm not choosing the Knicks ever again. I'm two games under 500. i I'm annoyed by that. So here's what I did. Today is the day for Costanza. Today is the day that I'm going to tell you who I like, and then I'm going the other way. I'm fading myself. So I could do a double, triple, reverse Lundy from the board saying the Clippers plus one and a half versus the Celtics. I love the Celtics. Love them. Which is why my pick of the day is the Clippers. But because my pick of the day is the Clippers, you got to go with the Celtics. Nah, go with the Clippers. Celtics. I would just say that a team that starts with a C is going to win. And if possible, it's going to be the Clictics. Cliptics. Durs. Ticks. Yes. Hi. Yes. This was all business. Clippers. Celtics. Clicks. Nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.